love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hello everyone, Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Pat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. Huh. What? Huh. <laughs> what are you giddy about? Oh, you know. I'm just... It, it pleases me that we've tricked people into thinking that we're, you know, like grown-up professional types the con has been going on now for a while <laughs> um and okay all right we we suffer from the imposter syndrome <laughs> there's no question about that is what you're referencing the fact that we were on jim harold's uh paranormal podcast well you know it is on on tuesday yeah if you want to check that out uh it dropped on tuesday jim harold's paranormal podcast he does like uh, like five different podcasts or or more he has a whole podcast empire he is a he's incredible i don't know how he does it but it's the uh, paranormal podcast we'll put the link on our social media if you'd like to check it out he was kind enough to have us on as uh, as guests and uh it was so much fun and he was great and i think that we succeeded in fooling him into thinking that <laughs> we knew what we were doing so that's good yeah it was really nice and uh we also dropped our first bonus episode uh, for the uh, people who subscribe to the premium content on the himalaya app uh, it's a great way to support the box of oddities and also you get bonus stuff yeah if you would like to join the order of freaks just go to our website theboxofoddities.com you get a bonus episode every month you get ad-free episodes you get uh, you get them a day early mm. and you get access to the back channel chat room where you can get your ideas to us directly or your ransom notes whatever it is you want to send us thanks guys all right this is weird I'm going to start with a with a weird mystery, okay. and maybe between the two of us, we can put our heads together and solve this once and for all. You know how I love solving mysteries. For years now, there's a certain stretch of Canadian road that's been haunted by a mystery that is so strange, it not only continues to baffle authorities, we're talking about authorities that have solved some pretty significant uh, mysteries over, the, over time. Okay. But it's also baffled the minds of those who live 
nearby. Okay. Now, many have tried to solve this perplexing riddle. And although many have tried, none have succeeded. And still to this day, no one knows for sure what is going on along this strip of 68th Street Northeast, which is a road in Calgary, Alberta. Now, the earliest documented sighting of this particular anomaly dates back nearly a decade to the summer of 2011. It could go back further than this, but 2011 is the first documented account of this. And every summer since then, hundreds of people have witnessed it, but still the question remains, who keeps placing all of these empty Vaseline bottles on the median? What? What? (laughs) Today, we're going to look at the enduring mystery of Calgary's Vaseline Alley. Wow. (laughs) Yep. Now, the story's been covered by many newspapers and TV stations, not just in the area, but throughout Canada and the United States, as well as some network coverage, including the CBC, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, I believe is what that stands for. Sure. But the earliest documented mention goes to a Reddit post in 2011. And yeah, I know stuff on Reddit, you have to kind of take it with Uh a grain of salt. But this has been followed up on by very credible news sources, and it is real. It is going on. All right. I have questions. Go ahead. Go ahead. So like, all right, they all, all of them show up at once, or is it a gradual adding to? A little bit of both. Okay. The earliest Reddit post goes uh, dates back to 2011, and of course there have been many, many more since then, but here's the earliest post that I found. Quote, this may be a little out there, but bear with me. Has anyone else ever noticed the dozens of empty Vaseline containers along 68th Street Northeast between 32nd Avenue and Memorial Drive in Calgary? A little backstory. We used to live in the Northeast and would drive the stretch of road daily, and we still do when visiting my parents. Roughly five to six years ago, during the winter one night, driving back from my parents' place, I noticed what must have been 20 to 30 containers of Vaseline on the side of the road. They just appeared one night. And I figured, eh, you know, maybe some truck lost a box of Vaseline bottles or something. Why else would they be there? And in such numbers. But there were so many of these containers, and they continued to show up. They would move up and down the road, randomly. And they started spreading out from 32nd Avenue all the way down to Memorial Drive. At some point, I figured, a city crew would do some kind of cleanup at some point in time. But if they did, they never picked up these containers. It became a running joke with my wife every time we would visit my parents. Gradually, they started thinning out. And when the city repaved 68th Street last year, this again in 2011, or the year before, they all but disappeared. You might find a random lid or a dirty crushed container, but but it was few and far between. I thought the legend of the Vaseline would die off and that no one would believe me if I were to tell the story until this summer. The Vaseline is back. And not just the old containers. These are brand new, fresh, clean tubs of Vaseline. Now... Is the Vaseline in the tub or are they empty tubs? According to this Reddit poster, they're always empty. And they're at random spots between 32nd Avenue and Memorial Drive. 
And there is uh, more every time that they go back to visit their parents. Someone out there is dumping empty tubs of Vaseline along the road and may have been doing it for years. Why are they doing this? I have no idea. And why has no one else ever noticed this? If these pictures aren't enough proof, go for a drive and you'll see them in both north and southbound lanes. I have so many questions and finally have the proof to tell the story without seeming too crazy. In another Reddit post, somebody said, For a couple of years, my family and I have been noticing tubs of Vaseline at the intersection of 68th Street and 32nd Avenue. And the user uh, Samuel Swine wrote, They are placed there regularly. And this person says that sometimes they're full, other times they're empty, and then sometimes they're full again. So we're getting conflicted reports here sure. as to whether the Vaseline tubs are in fact empty Ooh. or mm-hmm. are full. Uh, the general consensus is the vast majority of them are not only empty, but they've been cleaned. Oh, okay. And then stacked neatly on the curb. Oh, so not just tossed out of no. a window haphazardly. Not initially. That's what seems to be happening now. Sure. Well, if you want to add to the collection uh, and you don't want to be caught, you're probably just going to toss them out your window. I'm thinking Toynbee tile kind of thing. Like a copycat kind of deal? Yeah, but with Vaseline tubs. Sure, yep. Or these Vaseline tubs are like, you know, certain types of swallows that will return to their Ah, home. Like the swallows of Capistrano. The Vaseline tubs of Calgary, Alberta. They roost on a median strip on 68th Street Northeast every time this time of year. I can't help but think that there's some sort of like clandestine butt activity happening nearby. (laughs) Well, that's one of the theories. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Now, it is. it sounds like a weird made-up story, but there's no denying that for years someone has been keeping their Vaseline on and around the median strip of 68th Street Northeast, which is a a five-lane road in Calgary. Um, Scores of jars appear there regularly. It bemuses maintenance workers. It's stymied investigative reporters and continues to confuse local residents. Atlas Obscura uh, takes it from here. Quote, it is always Vaseline brand, pharmacy-sized tubs. The tubs are generally evenly spaced as if placed there deliberately, although some later posters, as we mentioned, describe them as strewn about. Mm -hmm. More recently, a poster, WCR Classic, uh, started a new thread with an even more urgent tone citing, quote, a sudden overabundance of tubs (laughs) and calling 2018 the year of Vaseline Alley. (laughs) He also posted a bunch of uh, images. Uh, Soon after, that's when the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, they sent a team to investigate. Of course. Yeah, they did. Not one person, but a team. Um, Well, it is Canada. And there's not a lot of crime there. So they have to find something to report, which is one of the reasons why I love Canada. They sent a team to investigate empty tubs of Vaseline. So they get there, they find they found several jars at 68th Street Northeast and 16th Avenue, about a dozen blocks from the location cited by the original Reddit user. A maintenance worker uh, told reporters that he and his colleagues find between 15 and 20 containers a month. Wow. Uh, the CBC was unable to come to any conclusions beyond speculation that, quote, the culprit must be very slippery to have remained anonymous for so long. You knew that that was going to. Of course. Yeah. Yes. 
So it's possible, I guess, that people are just leaving stuff on the roadway median because earlier uh, this past year, Atlas Obscura actually reported on a, a similar mystery, which is happening in Missouri. Drivers there have uh, become very attached to a jar of highway pickles, which intermittently appears and disappears from its perch on a concrete wall next to an exit ramp. Interesting. Yep. What kind of pickles? It doesn't say. Oh, well, that's important. I'm thinking they're bread and butter pickles. And of course I say that because that is my pickle of choice. Well, you're allowed to like the wrong pickle best. That's fine. <laughs> I know, you're a dill woman. Please don't tell people that. (laughs) (laughs) That's our little secret in the Freak family. Um, The CBS interviewed uh, several people who work for the city and that mow the grass and pick up debris along this road in this part of the city. And one employee says, I've just gotten so used to it that now it doesn't phase me. It's just there. That was Brian Bartley. He says he's lived in the area. And has driven by it for about four years. I suppose it's like, you know, I for a while lived in a town called Bradley, which had a nearby paper mill. And so it always smelled vaguely of like sulfuriness. There was a bit of a rotten egg smell to the air. After living there for a while, you get used to it, as I'm sure you would, the Vaseline jars. They call that the smell of money there. Or they did until the paper mill was closed. Mm. They made brawny paper towels there. Did they? Mm-hmm. So this guy that the CBC interviewed says the city uh, comes by regularly and they pick up the containers, but they're invariably back in two or three days. Have they ever been dusted for prints? That's an excellent thought. And no, according to all of my research, there has been no forensic investigation of the Vaseline tubs uh, as of yet. Because I can't imagine that there's not some... Some form of DNA on a Vaseline tub. <laughs> you know uh-huh. what I mean? Uh-huh. You know, so yeah. I don't know. People use it for other stuff, right? Sure. Like what? Now? Well, we'll get to that. Okay. Another worker for the city, Rodell Peak, has uh, has certainly noticed. He he also mows the grass and picks up litter alongside uh, 68th. Almost all the time that I've been mowing there, he said, for two years, I've seen lots of Vaseline bottles here. All around from 16th to 14th Avenue, from Memorial Drive going to 17th Southeast. But he says there's an average of 15 to 20 containers that he picks up each month on both sides of the road in this particular area of uh, 68th Street Northeast. Thanks for that update, Brian. Why Vaseline? Why are they empty? Why don't they just throw them in the trash? Who uses this much Vaseline and why? Mm. Why only in this one little area? Why over so many years? Nobody really has a good explanation as to uh, why this popular petroleum jelly is so liberally spread about the area. Rodell Peak said, quote, maybe lots of people here are using Vaseline. He thinks it's just people with a lot of time on their hands to do something stupid. But then he says he often wonders, too, what kind of weirdos live in this neighborhood. (laughs) When I okay, so I think about Vaseline and and my my mind obviously mm-hmm. I shouldn't say mm-hmm. obviously maybe that's just me but my mind goes to a very particular activities involved soothing a baby's diaper rash 
<laughs> I don't know anything about baby butts, okay. so no. Um, but I have heard tell that some people use it for makeup removal. Uh-huh. And, but that tends to be like an older generation kind of thing. So mm-hmm. maybe there's just this old lady who like really gets a kick out of confusing the, the town folk. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She's really into boxed wine, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and wears really heavy makeup. Right. And that's why she goes through so many bottles of Vaseline. Exactly. And then after she finishes, a box of wine she has all these empty vaseline containers and she thinks what am i okay she puts them into her sewing bag yeah and she starts to just tootle down the street she drives her 1978 mercury marquee (laughs) waits waits until there's nobody around then she gets out and she places them strategically on the median Mm -hmm. strip gets back in her marquee floors it yeah goes back to her room at the assisted living estate and just snickers. Yeah. You know that it's true. The next time that you look at one of those and you find that it's been placed strategically on a doily. Yes. There you go. <laughs> well, there have been several different threads over the years and uh, lots of different um, theories have been put forth. One person said, well, you know, they do use Vaseline to grease machinery. Is oh, there is yeah. there any uh, road maintenance going on? The answer, no. And of course, again, years this has been going on. Mm. I picture like uh, those, uh, what's it called? Like a piston that mm-hmm. lets a door close and yeah. open gently. Yep. That you could use it on that. Sure. How many door pistons, though? Or- door stores. <laughs> Maybe. Now, cyclists use it. You know, they put it on their skin to help protect them from... Windburn. Windburn and such. But how many cyclists would it take to use 20 bottles of this stuff yeah, and a month. The first report was in the winter, so not a lot of cyclists in Calgary uh-uh. in the winter. No. A local authority says, I don't see why anyone would, would ride there anyway. And then, of course, there's the uh, the idea that there are ne'er-do-wells who are using it for villainous or lewd purposes. Well, I think littering is villainous and lewd, Um, so I don't (laughs) see what you could be doing with Vaseline that's worse than littering. If a Vaseline-adjacent act comes to mind, odds are someone has dared to imagine it happens on 68th Street Northeast. Others have more elaborate scenarios in mind. One user says that it's not just cyclists who get chapped by the harsh Calgary winds. Perhaps there's just a person who buys them in a value pack and then doesn't want people to know that he has 20 empty jars of Vaseline, so he puts him on the on the median. Because people would think, what are you doing with 20 jars of Vaseline? Yeah, but so strategically placed? For exactly. Why? It doesn't make any sense. Another uh, theory is that uh, maybe they blow out of the back of a garbage truck as it goes by around the turn. But then they said that the person who put that theory forward said, this theory needs more work. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Vaseline jars are just more aerodynamic than others and they pre-sort themselves in the trash and then the wind. No, that's not likely. Now, it's always Vaseline brand petroleum jelly. No off brand. Never an off brand. And it's always the exact same pharmacy sized tub. And most of the time, but not always, they're. They're empty and cleaned out and then neatly lined up on the curb of the median. Now, if you go to Google Street View and punch in that address, you will see empty jars of Vaseline in the picture. Oh, really? On Google Street View. 
One thing I did notice with the Google Street View is that this road happens to end at a landfill. So I wonder if that has anything to do with it. Oh. I, I don't subscribe to the Vaseline jars blowing out of the garbage truck hypothesis. But, huh, it just seems odd and interesting. What do you think? What do you think is the most likely scenario for these empty jars of Vaseline to be mysteriously showing up in Calgary? Oh, I think it's definitely the old lady. She's getting her kicks. I think this is this is my thought. I love the old lady idea. Sure. I think maybe somebody initially did it just as a joke, just put it out. As, oh, a, yeah. as a joke. And then maybe even that same person was the one who initially posted it on Reddit. Oh. And then it started getting traction. And so he repeated it. And then other people got into the act and it has it's self-perpetuated. Mm-hmm. It's not one person doing it. Right. It's a whole collection of people who are not even aware of each other. Right. That are doing it. That makes sense. That's my it's thought. It's like the it's locks like, on the bridge, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People get into it. They they like adding their locks to the bridge. Could very well be something like that. I think it's an excellent theory. And maybe even they did fly out of the back of a truck or something and someone walking down the street just placed them strategically because they were bored or something. And that's the way it started. And that's the way it started. Right. And now it's become like this performance art piece. I enjoy it. That has spanned nearly a decade Mm. involving empty jars of Vaseline. (laughs) It's the mystery of Calgary's Vaseline Alley. We welcome your theories on why this is happening. And now, that thing in the middle. That thing in the middle, some unusual facts about the Eiffel Tower. Number five. The Eiffel Tower was originally intended for Barcelona, but Spain rejected the project. Oops, that was a bad mistake. Number four, they take very good care of the Eiffel Tower. They paint it constantly to keep it looking crisp and fresh in order to paint the Eiffel Tower. The amount of paint used weighs as much as 10 elephants. Number three. The Eiffel Tower was built as part of the Paris Exhibition in 1889 and was only meant to remain as part of the exhibition for 20 years and then to be moved. It was never meant to be permanent. Number two. The reason the Eiffel Tower sparkles so brightly when illuminated at nighttime is because It uses over 20,000 light bulbs in the structure. Wouldn't that suck to turn it on and like one bulb is bad and the whole string goes out and then you've got to climb the Eiffel Tower and figure out which light's bad? Just wiggling them all. Wiggling. Mm -hmm. And number one, the Eiffel Tower is married. Uh, Come again? An American woman named Erica Labrie visited the tower in 2004 and fell in love with it. She married the Eiffel Tower in 2007 and changed her name to Erica Eiffel. You do you, boo. You do you. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. 
Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings, while kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parenting kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids and they live about 3,000 miles away and my daughter is expecting a child and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life, Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout and you will save. Thanks Aura Frames for bringing my family a little bit closer. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The Nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. The Box of Oddities. At a frequency so high... 
Only your dog can understand. I wish that we could answer every single email that we get, and I feel horribly guilty for not, but... Even if we don't answer your email, please know that we do read them. And this one came in from Haley. Hi, Kat and Jethro. I had a dream about you guys. Great weight. Put that in the subject line. That'll get our attention. Um, She said, I just needed to let you know that I think I listened to the box of oddities too much because I just woke up from an awesome dream where you both made me delicious food and my German shepherd strudel got to play with Willie and Banjo. Aw. There was so much food it wouldn't fit on the table. That seems right. I'm not skilled at deciding how much to make. We have a problem with portion control. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyways, now I'm awake and hungry and need to re-listen to your back catalog. Love you guys. Thanks, Haley. I wrote back and said, glad you enjoyed it. We're excellent dream chefs. What you got for me? What, what you, what, what you, what you got for me? What, 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 what you got for me? Oh, we're going to talk today <laughs> about Cooper Petey. Cooper? Cooper Petey. Cooper Petey. Cooper Petey is... It's fun to say. It is fun to regardless say. Regardless of what or who that is. It is a town in uh, South Australia, north of Adelaide, on the Stuart Highway. What's up, Aussie freaks? We love you. So, the... District Council of Cooter Petey, Cooper Petey, Cooter. not Cooter Petey, that would be weird. Um, Cooper Petey estimates that the population is around 2,500. The 2016 census uh, says that the population is 1,762. So approximately 60% of the people living in Cooper Petey are uh, European in uh, heritage. They migrated from Southern and Eastern Europe after the Second World War. There were 302 Aboriginal and or uh, Torres Strait Islander people that made up about 17% of the population. All in all, there are about 45 plus nationalities represented in Cooper Petey. Holy shit. And for being such a small place, uh, or or sparsely populated place, that's incredible. Of these people, about half live underground. All right, you've got my attention now. <laughs> I have always wanted to have like a like a bomb shelter or a fallout shelter, but a really cool one with a pool table. Yeah, of yeah. course it should have a pool table. Yeah, and I've got it all mapped out in my head about how you get down into it. It has like a trap door, but the trap door is disguised as a, a tree stump. Yeah, I know. We, You and I have talked about this. This was a very early conversation that yeah. you and I had when we discovered that we both dreamed of building in a house underground. Yeah. Yours was a tree stump. Mine was like a, a tool shed, uh, uh, but it had one of those oh, floor lifty. That's cool, too. Uh, hidden entries. I've, so, I've actually modified the tree stump idea. Mm-hmm. I want to incorporate the foot pedal trash can lid technology. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you step on the root and then, you know, it'll open up in the top and then you scurry down into your uh, bunker and play pool. I think that sounds amazing. Yeah, no, very, very similar uh, dreams and goals. So are they living in man-made subterranean uh, dwellings or are these caves or caverns that have been adapted? Tell me all about this. The uh, Okay, so Cooper Petey is an opal mining 
place. Ah. The first opal was found on February 1, 1915, and since then the town has been supplying most of the world's gem quality opal. The town is sometimes referred to as the opal capital of the world because of the quantity of precious opals that are mined there. Uh, Cooper PD also has a very hot desert climate. Um, it's dry and hot in the summer. It's a little cooler and dry in the winter. The best time of year is, according to weatherbase.com, between April and October. The weather is most mild then. Average summer temperatures, though, range from 36 degrees Celsius, which is about 96.8 degrees Fahrenheit during the day, and 20 degrees Celsius or 68 degrees Fahrenheit at night. Uh, January is the hottest month of the year, with temperatures around 42 degrees Celsius during the day being very common. That's about 108 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, my God. The hottest day on record in Cooper PD, 118 degrees Fahrenheit. That's 47.8 degrees Celsius. Coldest, 28 degrees Fahrenheit or negative 2 degrees. Degrees Celsius. Wow, there's some serious temperature swings there. So this incredibly hot, arid environment is also uh, very sought after by a lot of movie producers. Uh, parts of Mad Max 3, Beyond Thunderdome, uh, The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, Chronicles of Riddick, Pitch Black, all filmed uh, in that region. Uh, but it does make regular life kind of tough. So when miners started moving to this region, um, they would work in the mines all day, and they realized that the mines were much cooler at night than their homes. So miners started sleeping in the mines at night. I know I would. I cannot sleep if I'm overheated. I am the most miserable son of a bitch when I'm overheated mm -hmm. at night, especially it's if, it's, if it's humid as well. The only way I was able to sleep for a long time is by putting a shitty booze sock on my neck. Oh, yes, the sweet, cooling graces of the shitty booze sock. Yeah, it was some booze that somebody gave us and said, hey, put this in your freezer. And so we did, and we never really used it except for, you know, when I was overheated, I would put it on my neck. Yeah, but I put it in a sock. Because it was too cold. Yeah. So shitty booze sock. It was a shitty booze sock. Get yours now. Yeah, no, I'm the same. I like, I like hot weather. I like being warm, uh, except for at night. No, no. So, of course, the idea of, well, let's just stay underground, mm -hmm. question mark, mm -hmm. kind of became a thing. And the early Cooper PD dugouts, which is what these underground homes are called, were actually the holes that had been dug originally in search of opal. Back then, opal mining was backbreaking manual labor. So the earliest of the homes were no bigger than they actually had to be. So they were pretty small. They were they were what you'd picture a dugout might be. Probably digging in that uh, that environment would be very difficult because the ground was probably in. I'm sure it still is, heat-baked and hard and very difficult to dig through. Yeah, but the people were always digging. They're always in search of the next big opal find, and homes were being expanded. A wonderful example of an early dugout that continued being built was the home of Faye, and her home is actually known as Faye's Underground Home. It is a home that is actually open to the public Ooh, at all times. Nice. Yeah, and 
her home underground has three bedrooms with walk-in closets, a living room, a bar, a wine cellar. Does she Airbnb this? A billiard room, uh, a swimming pool. Okay. Yes. She does? Faye knows what's up. Oh, my God. I want to go stay there. I don't think that Faye's home is available for Airbnb, but oh. there are dugouts to Airbnb. Okay. All right. We could stay at one of those and then go you know, visit Faye. Absolutely. Um, there are also uh, two underground churches. St. Peter and Paul Catholic Underground Church is located in Coober Pedy and has uh, some, some beautiful hand-dug pews. The sandstone in Cooper PD is perfectly suited for underground homes, so it's pretty easy to dig through once you get uh, to the sandstone. But it's structurally sound. That's right. It's strong and stable. Um, not a lot of risk of cave-ins. Not a lot of complicated engineering necessary to calculate ceiling heights or spans. One of the residents said that when he was young, mining and digging were such a part of his life that he would go to school, he would come home, they would do their homework, they would have dinner, and then dad would get out the pickaxes and everyone in the family would go dig. So it just made sense that where there are so few regulations for homes underground and uh, you're doing this digging anyway, it's part of your life, that they they make these incredible homes. So you can go out and dig for opals Mm -hmm. and create a home for yourself at the same time. And if you're lucky, you'll find some opals and then you can get a really nice pool table. That's right. You could. So uh, a lot of the early dugouts obviously dug by hand, but there are tunneling machines now, which leave actually a really nice pattern on the wall. And the sandstone has a beautiful maroon and rose color to it. Sometimes it's kind of swirly pattern. So it's really pretty. It's very warm and friendly looking. It's not dark and craggy and, you know, mucky like you might picture underground. It's it's bright and lovely. And uh, because they seal these walls, there, it's not dusty, mm. so um, they also have ventilation shafts up through the roofs, so that you know fresh air is coming in. It keeps it from getting stuffy. Do they are they able to get any natural light down there through uh, various lighting ducts? Or? There, there have been some really interesting designs to get as much natural light in as you can. But I would think that you know, really, all you need to do is just put up the right type of daylight lighting systems. Right. And also, many of these dugouts are built into the sides of mountains. Mm -hmm. So your entrance is at ground level. Sure. Um, So you have that opportunity to get that light into, and if you build the right shafts. The front of the house could be well lit. Exactly. Keep in mind also, this is very eco-friendly because... The underground space stays the same temperature year round. So you don't have to worry about heating and cooling costs, which in this region, you would have to do both above ground. Underground, though, none of those worries, which is why so many people and businesses have opted to make their business or opted to build underground. Wait, so not only are homes underground, but Mm -hmm. but stores and, Stores. And, and they're all connected? They're not all connected. Oh, that'd be cool, though, Though, wouldn't it? they have said that on multiple occasions, people have dug through to neighbors' homes. So because there is that little regulation about sizing and such, um, 
you can you can just dig 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 and then all of a sudden you're in your neighbor's living room uh so that's got to be addressed sure but it would be awesome if it was like an entire underground town with an underground mall and you never had to go it would be well actually they could call it morlock town um they could call it that mm-hmm. i mean there's there is a lot underground there are uh, there's a bar there are multiple hotels. Um, there, One hotel, as a matter of fact, was expanding a couple of years ago. And during their expansion, they were adding some new rooms underground. Mm-hmm. And they found a cache of opal, um, which made them about $1.5 million. <laughs> oh my God. So that renovation was a really good call for them. No kidding. Yeah. So I guess they got to do their renovation pretty much for free. I would think. They've got underground hostels for backpackers. There are beds and breakfasts. Beds, bed and back. There are underground B&Bs. Or UB&Bs as we call them. There's an underground campground. What about underground brothels? Have they got one of those yet? I'm not sure about the specifics of what they do. In they could call it rock hard. They could. <laughs> Though considering it's sandstone, mm, um, yeah, that's maybe not boating well for mm. the clientele. Yeah, um, but yeah, underground campgrounds and so much more. Um, so you have that opportunity to do much of your day to day underground. Why is it that living underground or or having a retreat mm. underground is so appealing? I don't know. Is it because... I know a lot of people don't find it appealing. Well, yeah. I mean, for you and I. Yeah, I don't know. Is it because... It feels safe to me. And you feel like you can kind of cut yourself off from society and maybe you're just there, you know, no one's going to bother you. It does feel secluded. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get a similar feeling when we go on a cruise. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I do not feel that well, way. Well, I mean, you're you're on a boat with 5,000 other people, <laughs> but most of the people you don't know, and people can't call you and ask you to do shit. That's, okay, I kind of see where you're going with this, sure. Plus buffet. Um, right. That we've. I think we've launched into a different discussion altogether. Are we just talking about why you like cruises now? <laughs> yep. Well, I'm a big fan of the Blue Iguana Cantina. I love that. I like their breakfast burrito. It's got those crispy home fries in it, and uh, you just can't go wrong. I'm all in. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Cooper Petey, we definitely have to go. Um, I can't wait. I love the idea of staying in an underground hotel, and uh, please, let's do Absolutely. We're actually very excited about the idea of going to Australia. Um, We have a lot of uh, people that listen there. And in fact, one of our very first listeners, uh, Liz, is from um, Australia. And um, she's been a faithful listener right from the very beginning. Love you. So when we come to Australia, we're going to stay at your house, Liz, until you can drive us to the underground um, dugouts. (laughs) Thanks. This is one of the rooms at one of the hotels. Oh, my God. That is so beautiful. Isn't that cool? It's beautifully and lit. And the sandstone is just gorgeous. It looks like um, like adobe. It looks kind of like an adobe finish. There's a restaurant. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, we're going there. Yes, please. The Box of Oddities, a couple times a week. We look forward to hanging out with you. Don't forget that uh, you can still grab some tickets to our live shows uh, at theboxofoddities.com, San Francisco, 
Boston, Charlotte, Nashville. Tickets will be going on sale for Washington, D.C. very soon. But anything that you need to find out about the Box of Oddities, you can find out pretty much on our website, the Box. Are you writing this down? Of oddities.com. Just a real quick, uh, severely injured my thumb the other day, and I have no idea how I did it. Uh, please let me know if you've ever had, like, I might have the stigmata. I think you got stigmata. I might got, I might got the stigmata. If you have a home cure for the stigmata, <laughs> send it I in. I just want to know that I'm not the only person who magically injures themselves just, and has no idea how it happened. You occasionally will just burst out bleeding. I have no idea. Like, I don't understand how much space I take up, I think. <laughs> so I'm constantly, like, knocking into things and falling over stuff and, uh, in this case, just ripping skin off my thumb. Why? This is another unsolved mystery that we'll have to delve into a little deeper in a further episode. Maybe the next one, which will drop Monday. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. The Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.